Hello listeners, I'm Johnny Maunders and welcome to the first ever episode of The Register. In this podcast series, we'll discover the stories that have shaped the beautiful game we love. We'll explore the careers of legendary players and managers, as well as uncovering the unlikely tales from football's past. Before we kick off, pun intended, let me explain the name of this podcast. Unless you're a hipster football fan like me, who spends their Sunday afternoons catching up on the Estonian second division, rather than actually having friends, you may not know what a regista is. I don't blame you. Regista, an Italian word, literally translates as director. The regista is a deep-lying midfielder who directs the offensive play. The role is traditionally revered in Italy, with Andrea Pirlo bringing it to global attention. It's an elegant and charming position, and seems to fit the idea of this podcast, because clearly, I'm elegant and charming. Don't at me. On to the crux of the episode. Rivaldo. Why Rivaldo? Why not? I first got into football around the turn of the millennium, and at that point, Rivaldo was one of the best players on show. Brazil's 2002 World Cup squad was full of stars. Roberto Carlos, Cafu, and a front three of Rivaldo, Ronaldo, the Phenomenon, and Ronaldinho. That said, it always felt that it was the latter two who got all the plaudits and attention. As a child, I always sided with the underdog, or the underappreciated. Perhaps why I ended up supporting Fulham. So, while my friends at primary school drooled over Ronaldo and Ronaldinho, I obsessed over Rivaldo. Indeed, in the 90s, as the world desperately looked for a successor to Maradona's mantle as the world's greatest, there were several contenders. The genius of Roberto Baggio, the elegance of Zidane, and the skill of Rivaldo. They were all contenders. Yet it seems that Zidane has become the enduring champion of that contest for so many. Which is perhaps understandable, given his role in France's World Cup and European Championship success, yet his career was incredibly inconsistent. Have we been fooled by the Galactico branding? In many ways, Rivaldo seems to have become the forgotten man of that era. Perhaps because he didn't go out on top. Because he kept popping up in odd leagues and countries. It seemed to become less just how great was Rivaldo, and more, oh, is Rivaldo still playing? This underrated legacy seems to embody the podcast I'm trying to make. So who better to kick us off than Rivaldo? In April 1972, Rivaldo Vitor Borba Ferreira was born in Recife, the largest city in the state of Pernambuco, in the northeast of Brazil. He was born into intense poverty and grew up in Recife's favelas. Indeed, this poverty would shape Rivaldo's physical appearance, with malnourishment producing his famous bow-leggedness and the loss of various teeth. At the age of 16, the left-footed talent signed his first professional contract, joining Palestano, despite coaches fearing he was too physically weak to flourish. That year, disaster would strike, and Rivaldo's father, whom he'd later describe as his most important coach, was killed in a car accident. This loss could have halted the young Rivaldo in his tracks, but it seemed to drive him on. After a short spell at local side Santa Cruz, Rivaldo headed south to the state of Sao Paulo signing for Mogi Miriam in Brazil's second tier, and after an impressive loan at Corinthians, rival Palmeiras came calling. After signing for Palmeiras, he helped them defend their league crown, scoring regularly and picking up awards. During this time, Rivaldo earned his first call-up for Brazil, scoring in a 1-0 win over Mexico. His form guaranteed him a place in the 1996 Olympic squad, in which Brazil would pick up a bronze medal. Before the tournament, Italian big spenders Palmer declared that they had signed Rivaldo and his Palmeiras teammate Amaral 
While the latter did make the move to Italy, Rivaldo, after a tense dispute, ended up joining Spanish side Deportivo La Coruña. The Brazilian would only spend one season with Deportivo, but inspired them to an impressive third-place finish, scoring an incredible 21 goals in the process. That's an amazing return for someone in their first season in European football. His effect on the team is even more obvious considering the following season, following his departure, they slumped to 12th. In 1997, Rivaldo would make the massive move to Barcelona for a whopping $26 million. This came after outgoing manager Bobby Robson convinced the club's hierarchy that the Brazilian would guarantee them more goals than their preferred target, Steve McManaman. This is an incredibly ironic inversion of the stereotype that English managers in Spain would always look to buy compatriots at the expense of domestic talent. Rivaldo arrived at the club during the same summer that Louis van Gaal first took over as manager. In their first season together, Barca would win the domestic double, with the Brazilians scoring 19 goals in 34 matches. After the success, Rivaldo joined up with his Brazil teammates as they reached the final of the 1998 World Cup, scoring twice in a 3-2 quarter-final win over Denmark. However, the tournament ended with a crushing 3-0 defeat to France in the final, a game shrouded in speculation about the health of his teammate, Ronaldo. The next season, Rivaldo put that disappointment behind him as he inspired Barcelona to retain their La Liga crown, netting an incredible 24 goals from the wing. He exorcised any remaining demons that summer by leading Brazil to win the 1999 Copa America, finishing as top scorer and player of the tournament. If we were in any doubt that 1999 was Rivaldo's year, he would later win the Ballon d'Or and FIFA World Player of the Year. Indeed, Fresh after the Champions League win, Manchester United captain Roy Keane said he was desperate for the club to sign Rivaldo, believing he was the only player who could improve them. That move never happened, and Rivaldo's third season at Barcelona was a troubled one. He locked horns with his manager, the famously inflexible Louis van Gaal. The Dutchman was largely married to a 4-3-3 formation, with his wingers hugging the touchline in true Cruyffian style. Meanwhile, Rivaldo longed for more creative freedom and wanted to play as a number 10, believing that this would give him greater influence over games and more goals. The breakdown in their relationship seemed to represent a wider malaise that had set in at the club, with players increasingly weary and questioning Van Gaal's methods. Despite an impressive Champions League run to the semi-finals, with Rivaldo scoring 10 times along the way, Barca were off the pace in the league and Van Gaal was soon sacked. The 2000-2001 season was very disappointing for Barcelona, but Rivaldo was truly back to his best and proved decisive in helping the team avoid the catastrophe of not qualifying for the Champions League. He scored 23 league goals and often seemed to win games on his own, something we have now grown accustomed to seeing Messi do for the same club. In total, he would score 36 goals that season. In the last game of the season, Barca needed a win to clinch a Champions League place. They faced a talented Valencia side above them in the league and their direct rival, for a top four spot. Valencia were good, but they hadn't counted on Rivaldo. He scored all of Barca's goals as they won 3-2, and the hat-trick has repeatedly been voted the best of all time. The first was a trademark curling free kick, soaring past a helpless Santiago Canizares. The second goal saw Rivaldo toy with the Valencia defence before hitting the bottom corner with a swerving shot from 25 yards. His match winner was worthy of winning any game. It was the 89th minute, the score was 2-2, and as it stood, Barcelona would miss out on a Champions League place. And then it happened. Rivaldo 
lurking on the edge of the penalty area, controlled a ball on his chest before pulling off an ambitious overhead bicycle kick. Rivaldo jubilantly tore off his shirt and waved it above his head in disbelief. The camp knew erupted, an equal mix of elation and wonder. Barca's president, Johan Gaspart, uncharacteristically leapt up from the VIP box and celebrated. Rivaldo dedicated the winning goal to the fans and his teammates and later declared it the best he'd ever scored. In the summer of 2002, Van Gaal returned to Barca and making a clear stand, Rivaldo was shipped out to AC Milan. But before he could head to Italy, there was the small matter of the 2002 World Cup. Rivaldo played a key role in Brazil's tournament victory, forming a fearsome trio with Ronaldo and Ronaldinho, nicknamed the Three R's. He scored in each of Brazil's first five games, including an important goal against Belgium and a final finish in the win against England. Despite an incident in which he duped a referee to get Turkey's Hakan Unsal sent off, he was one of the obvious stars of the tournament. Rivaldo was heavily involved in both of Ronaldo's goals in the final, as Brazil comfortably beat Germany 2-0. Brazil's manager, Luis Felipe Scolari, would later say that Rivaldo was the best player of the tournament, despite Ronaldo's goals. This success would be the high point of Rivaldo's career, and mark his last tournament for Brazil. His move to AC Milan would prove to be disappointing, and his contract was terminated prior to his second season. A move to Sam Allardyce's Bolton Wanderers was mooted, but Rivaldo instead moved to Olympiacos in Greece, following a brief stint back in Brazil with Cruzeiro. He scored regularly in Greece and often spectacularly, including a fine free kick at Anfield in the Champions League against eventual winners Liverpool. In his first season, he also scored the winning goal in the last game of the season to clinch the league title. After a dispute with Olympiakos' owner over his fitness, Rivaldo then joined Ike Athens and had a great season to silence the doubters. He followed this with a lucrative stint at Uzbeki side Bunyor Kor, clinching numerous records before returning to Brazil for mixed spells at several clubs, including old club Mogi Mirim, where he played alongside his son, Rivaldinho. Rivaldo finally retired from playing in July 2015, aged an incredible 43. So what about Rivaldo's legacy? Well, Rivaldo was clearly one of the best players of his generation, and one of the best in Brazil's rich history. He was skillful, creative, and incredibly powerful. And for someone of six foot one, he was wonderfully agile and nimble. Once he was in his stride, few could counter his masterful ability to dribble with the ball. He regularly scored stunning free kicks and was reliable from the penalty spot. Indeed, his goal record for club and country is exceptional, given he was often played out wide in an era where wingers were discouraged from venturing inside as much as they are now. He had the unique combination of outrageous skill and great desire, subtlety and strength in equal measure. There was no better evidence of this combination than that game against Valencia, it's not outlandish to say that no player had consistently demonstrated this unstoppable combination since the great Maradona a decade previously. Rude Hullet, a great in his own right, listed Rivaldo in his all-time top 10 of great number 10s. Yet, despite all of this, he seems underappreciated. Many prefer to pick out Ronaldo and Ronaldinho from that great Brazil side, and many remember Zidane as the greater figure of 90s football. Hullet believes Rivaldo's contributions in a Brazil shirt were often overlooked because Ronaldo scored more goals and Ronaldinho attempted more tricks, and because both were louder and more charismatic figures. There is no doubt Rivaldo was never as treasured in Brazil as he should have been. Despite regular and crucial contributions, he was often booed by Brazilian fans who believed he saved his best performances for Barcelona. 
There is also a common suggestion that he was viewed with mistrust because he hailed from the country's north, unlike many of the nation's other stars. And while Zidane was no doubt an exquisite technician, his inconsistency always left an impression that something was missing. His passing was exceptional, but he didn't often swing games, certainly at club level. Sir Alex Ferguson famously noted that Zidane rarely hurt teams, suggesting he lacked the killer instinct to make contributions in less comfortable areas. Perhaps the fact that Zidane went out at the top aided his cause. Had Rivaldo retired at Barcelona, or even after his stint at Milan, perhaps he'd have preserved a greater legacy. Instead, he drifted from league to league, his legacy dwindling with each move. Rivaldo was only 30 when he left Barcelona, after which his career never recovered. Why is that? Perhaps his dynamic playing style, combined with the malnourishment of his childhood, had finally caught up with him. Perhaps, like many Brazilian footballers, Rivaldo saw winning the World Cup as the pinnacle of his career and no longer felt the same sense of motivation. Or perhaps it was a combination of the two. That electric season at Deportivo, and the fact he was, by then, already 24, begs a question. Had Rivaldo moved to Europe earlier, would we have seen more of his greatness? Perhaps it would have cemented his legacy. Perhaps not. Either way, Rivaldo was an incredible footballer, and just possibly the forgotten genius of the 90s. If you like this episode, please give us a follow and a review, depending on where you're listening. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, and join us every Wednesday for another legendary football tale.